Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. I'm Kate Woda. I'm pleased today to share a session from the 2019 IO Combinations 360 event, where Dr. Laureen Ohalvo of EMD Serono presented an update on the company's preclinical and phase one studies of the bifunctional fusion protein Bintrafusp Alpha M7824. Enjoy the podcast. You know, thank you so much, um, Omid, for the introduction. I also wanted to uh, first start off, I express my gratitude to the organizers today for giving the opportunity to share um, some more information and data about a molecule we're really excited with um, at EMD Serrano, EMD Serrano the, the German Merck, Merck KGAA, um, as well as uh, a drug that we've recently got into partnership with um, our colleagues at GSK. So the drug that I'm going to be speaking about today, uh, Bintrafusp Alpha, probably known to many more in the audience as M7A24, um, a first-in-class bifunctional fusion protein which simultaneously targets TGF-beta and PD-L1. So how did we get here is, is, one of the, is one of the first questions. I mean, as we heard from Dr. Pardol and others um, in, in the keynote, that despite all of this really promise and this encouragement and excitement around immunotherapy, we all know that a medical need still, you know, critically exists and persists. You know, the majority of, pa- of cancer patients are not responding to monotherapy PD-1 and PD-L1 inhibitors. And when you look across the human burden of cancer, in the world, that really the weighted average monotherapy efficacy is only 14%. So this is a molecule that we'll be uh, that we'll be discussing, Bintrafus alpha, as I said, previously known as M7824, that you may have seen at various congresses over the past uh, year or two. This, molec- this molecule has um, a fully humanized IgG1 monoclonal antibody, which targets human PD-L1. Um, in addition, what's unique and novel about this compound is that at its carboxy terminus, as you'll see, it is um, there is a via flexible glycine serine linker. There's an extracellular domain of the human TGF beta receptor two, and what this does is functions as a trap for TGF beta to bind isoforms TGF beta one, beta two, and beta three. And so dual targeting, in effect, is, um, is accomplished by this molecule of both the PD-L1 and TGF-beta pathways. And today in my presentation, I'm going to go through some of the preclinical data uh, supporting this molecule that have recently been published, um, as well as some of the clinical data, which have, which have also been emerging. So here is the first part, the, pre, the preclinical molecule. And here's some more introduction, specifically to the TGF-beta uh, piece itself. Now, you know, here in this crowd, I'm certain every, you know, many people are very well aware as to the role of PD-1 and PD-L1 blockade within the tumor microenvironment. Um, the TGF beta, however, might uh, might be more novel to su- to some individuals. Um, on top of the um, so on top of uh, the PDL1 blockade itself, we do know that TGF beta, of course, is very a critical uh, component. Uh, critical component um, inhibiting various functions within the tumor microenvironment, namely the adaptive and the innate immune system, as you'll see all the way over to, all the way over to your left, um, in that it's known to essentially facilitate uh, tumor-associated macrophages, NK cells, and cytotoxic C- T- T cells, as well as its effect on dendritic cells. 
TGF-beta is also known to have um, a strong role in tumor angiogenesis, epithelial mesenchymal transformation, as well as um, a critical role in stimulating the development of cancer-associated fibroblasts, also known as CAFs. And why is this important? You know, calves and collagen are really thought to be a critical piece of establishing an immune-excluded phenotype uh, within the tumor microenvironment, which might uh, decrease some of the efficacy of these PD-1 and PD-L1 blockade. So all of this preclinical data I'm going to show to you today um, have, as I said, recently been published by our preclinical lead. Uh, her name is Dr. Yan Lan and is actually giving her own presentation right, right now today um, at a symposium at the MD Anderson Cancer Center. Um, I'm happy to pass on this reference to you in science from Science Translational Medicine of last year. I mean, I think the first part that I wanted to start with is really looking at the pharmacodynamic activity of um, Bintrafus Balfa. What you can see at the top is looking at plasma concentrations in tumor-bearing mice uh, that were treated with increasing doses of M7824 Bintrafus. Um, and what you, what you see is that in the circulation, the TGF-beta-1, beta-2, and beta-3 are, inhibit, are inhibited to the points of not being able to be detected in circulation. Uh, in the periphery. This isn't just within the circulation as well. What you'll see on the bottom panel are, is immunohistochemistry staining for uh, phosphosmad 2 which is a critical uh, downstream factor of the TGF-beta signaling pathway. And what you'll see all the way um, over onto the left uh, is our isotype control, in which in brown you can see evidence of, of, SMAD2, of phosphosmad 2 uh, within the tumor microenvironment of, of, of a mouse treated with the isotype control. However, with M7A24, this is, um, this is essentially obliterated uh, to a comparable level as if you were to treat an animal with a TGF-beta receptor uh, knock-in. Looking at some of the initial efficacy as as well, um, what was really what was really striking to our team was that it's not only just the fact of delivering these two molecules, both the PDL the PDL one inhibitor as well as the TGF beta trap, but in fact the fusion of these two molecules, giving temporarily this TGF beta blockade to the to the tumor microenvironment. It's not my presentation. <laughs> I promise. Um, is in fact more efficacious than uh, it's more efficacious to give this as a bifunctional fusion protein than either component to, uh, component uh, together. Um, this was seen in additional experiments looking at tumor regression of animals given with PDL1 alone, animals given with um, the trap control alone, which is simply the functioning TGF the TGF beta trap, in which there were zero out of eight animals saw a complete tumor regression as opposed to as you move into the right, um, in which both PDL1 inhibitor and TGF beta trap alone were given separately versus in green, uh, Bintrafus balfa given to tumors, in which you saw a significantly increased proportion of animals demonstrating tumor regression. 
So as I mentioned, delving into some of the specific functions of TGF-beta, um, here is oh, one experiment of looking at the at looking at collagen as, as well as um, cancer-associated fibroblasts or CAFs in the tumor microenvironment. Uh, and again, all the way over on the right, uh, in Benjafus-Balfa, you saw uh, reduced expression of um, anti-smooth muscle actin, of, um, I mean, um, marker for, for uh, CAFs. You saw that that significantly decreased as well as the um, presence of collagen in these animals that were treated with our molecule. And finally, again, also why is this why is this so important? You know, as I had mentioned from the beginning, breaking down this wall of collagen and cancer-associated fibroblasts potentially will allow the increased influx of these active, activated T cells and other um, immune immune uh, cells, that, which are able to um, go go in and to reject the tumor. And that isn't exactly what we saw in uh, preclinical experiments, in which we saw that Benchafus-Balfa specifically increased the infiltration of CD8-positive T cells more effectively than uh, pd one inhibitor alone. And then just for the last data slide uh, is, is around um, epithelial mesenchymal transformation. Uh, we all know that TGF-beta has, has a critical role in, um, in EMT in general, which is, which is a key first step in the metastatic cascade, as well as a critical step, a critical activity of tumor cells in order to become more chemotherapy-resistant. Chemotherapy and importantly, what we had observed was that in those animals treated with Bintrafus balfa, as, as opposed to anti-PDL1 alone, um, a re uh, re reduced number of um, specific spontaneous uh, lung tumor nodules. So this is a whole lot of data, free clinical data that that are summarized in the number of ways that Benjafus Alpha has been demonstrated to um, target multiple pro-tumorigenic pathways within the tumor microenvironment, um, its ability to um, increase adaptive immune functions, um, improve, improve innate immune functions, have increased cytolytic functions, decrease fibrosis, uh, decrease epithelial mesenchymal transformation, and additional data not shown uh, decreasing angiogenesis within the tumor microenvironment as well. And all of these more so in our preclinical experiments as compared to what's been seen with um, simply using just one component of this, of our bifunctional molecule. So finally, to summarize a lot of the, our preclinical work, um, Benchafus-Valfa designed to target two major immunosuppressive pathways in the tumor microenvironment by targeting the PD-1, pd one signaling as well as simultaneously neutralizing TGF-beta. Um, the molecule has, has been shown to suppress tumor growth and metastasis more effectively than either of the pd one antibody or the TGF-beta trap control alone. It activates both innate and adaptive immune systems, reverses EMT and inhibits, uh, inhibits CAFs. And importantly, uh, in data which I had also not shown, but it, confirms, it confers long-term protective anti-tumor immunity. And as what we also became, was most excited to our clinical team was that it extends the survi survival of animals. So again, I'm happy to refer everyone to the actual manuscript in which most of this data have been published. I wanted to spend some time walking through, you know, maybe a bit more familiar territory for me was, was actually utilizing Benchafus-Balfa at the bedside. 
So those of you in the audience who have been to the IO360 meetings over the past couple of years have probably seen um, some of the dose escalation data before. Um, the dose in the, the dose escalation part, a total of 36 patients um, with solid tumors that did not have any standard of care treatment options were treated with uh, bingefusbalfat escalating doses uh, by Dr. James Gully and his team at the National Cancer Institute. Uh, primary endpoint, of course, be, of course, being safety with exploratory of being best overall response. These earliest data from our dose escalation study were originally were originally um, presented at ASCO about two years ago in, 2000, in 2017. And importantly, at that ASCO presentation, in the 19 hev heavily pretreated patients that were enrolled and treated at that time with advanced cancers, that there was evidence of clinical activity observed across dose levels and in multiple tumor types, including two patients with cervical cancer, a patient with pancreatic cancer, as well as a patient with anal cancer. So um, as we were, as uh, Drew was mentioning before, you know, pharmacodynamic activity is also key. Um, we have those, we have those published as well, that in all these, in, that in these humans, that in patients receiving doses greater than three mg per kg, we saw complete um, saturation of peripheral PD-L1, as well as sequestration of circulating TGF-beta-1, beta-2, and beta-3. So importantly, from a clinical and a safety point, um, this, these dose escalation studies really established our recommended phase two dose as 1,200 milligrams every two weeks. So here um, is just to take a moment and to step back to look at some look at some of the safety that was presented. And again, this was also just re uh, recently published in Clinical Cancer Research last year uh, by Julia Strauss and James Gully. Importantly, in the dose escalation, there was it was. Clearly, this drug as a monotherapy was, was noted to be overall quite tolerable, had a manageable safety profile, and importantly, the maximal tolerated dose has not been reached. There were no new safety signals emerged. Uh, you can see our rates of, of grade, th of grade three um, related adverse events. You know, typical immune related adverse events is, as you would expect with the blockade of PD PD1 or PD01. There was one grade four event, but it was an asymptomatic la uh, lab abnormality related to a grade three event. And there were only three patients in this group who had discontinued the drug due to these treatment related AEs. Now, one thing that is that is unique to our drug compared to other PD-1 and PD-L1 are the development of these skin neoplasms or keratoacanthomas, also known as cutaneous squamous cell cancers, um, that have that were not an unexpected toxicity overall. In the over 700 patients that we've treated, we see a rate of about seven to 12 percent of patients developing these types of lesions. Um, they're not unexpected because, in fact, these very similar lesions have been reported in patients receiving TGF-beta blocking therapies previously, um, as well as they have been noted in patients who have somatic mutations in the TGF-beta signaling pathway, such as Ferguson-Smith syndrome. Um, overall, like I, as I said, the lesions were manageable and have not been an indication for treatment discontinuation. So in my last few minutes that I, that I have, I wanted to explore with you some of our more recent uh, data from the expansion phase of our, of our study, of the phase one study, as well as uh, going into some of our next steps. 
So um, from the dose escalation after this establishment of our, of our recommended phase two dose of 1,200 milligrams every two weeks IV, um, we, we very quickly ramped up into a massive global uh, expansion cohort. Um, or a series of, expand, of expansion cohorts, of which I've been overseeing for the, pa for the past three years. Um, in addition, in parallel, there were uh, an additional dose escalation and, and expansion cohorts in uh, three sites in Asia as well. What I have projected on the slide right here are not all of the cohorts that we had gone into, but cohorts in which have been read out at various congresses over the past uh, year to year to two years. And I'm just going to focus on a couple, uh, on just a few num uh, a few of these individual cohorts. So number one has been our our efficacy in the in the non-small cell lung cancer second line cohort. Now, first thing, um, you know, you, unique to this particular cohort, we did have two different dose levels, and this was for additional pharmacokinetic modeling that we had patients treated at 500 milligrams and 1,200 milligrams. So we're going to focus on the 1,200 milligram group um, in which we did see a confirmed overall response rate by investigator as well as uh, corroborated by our IRC at 27.5%. These were all patients who were checkpoint naive. Um, to, to be clear, however, still very encouraging compared to uh, where standard second-line treatments have previously been published. This is a data cutoff that was presented at ESMO this past year in which we had 16 months of follow-up. Um, and importantly, our median duration of response also remained very, very encouraging um, with, with not, not being reached after 16 months in the 1,200 milligram cohort with re responses ongoing in 10 patients. And what you can see over on the spider plot all the way to the right is that, you know, indeed having, having uh, pa patients continue to be ongoing uh, with response up to 19 months so I don't have time to go through our extensive biomarker uh, pro program today. We'd be happy to discuss um, extensively most unique, you know, most important to our to our non-small cell lung cancer second line in particular. Uh, we did see, uh, not unsurprisingly, that PDL1 was the most potent biomarker for efficacy. Um, and what you can all the way at the table on the bottom, as I mentioned, at all comers we had a 27 and a half percent. Response rate, um, but at, at increasing dose, uh, increasing uh, tumor cell expression of PDL1, uh, we saw in the very in the highest group um, at a level comparable to the 50% assay via the 22C3 um, uh, by our internal assay at 80%. We had an 85.7% response rate confirmed by the IRC. Median progression-free survival, uh, as well as as well as encouraging, uh, when competitors have have noted in these PDL1 high groups, a median progression-free survival around five months. Now, granted, in very small numbers, we did see uh, a median progression-free survival of 15 months in the PDL1 high expressors. So moving from lung into BTC, um, which was also very, very encouraging compared to historical data, um, we'd seen an overall response rate um, of 20%, again, with long dur durability, as you can see in the spider plot, with um, 
with follow-up extending into 16, 17 months, and importantly, seeing responses across um, of various types of BTCs, including in intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma, extrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma, as well as gallbladder carcinoma directly. And so finally, uh, you know, I was struck by um, by Drew's mention during his during his keynote about the this idea of following the data. As I mentioned in our earliest dose in our earliest dose escalation, you know, we did have two cervical cancer patients and one an anal cancer patient who experienced a response. Uh, this led us to go into a non-prespecified and retrospective analysis of all of our patients with HPV-related. Uh, cancers, and this was presented in an oral presentation at AACR just this past year, in which you can look at the four patients with anal cancer, are uh, 17 or 15, excuse me, in this in this graph with cer cervical, and 14 patients with squamous cell, head, and neck, in which uh, you saw you see you see impressive efficacy across um, these different tumor types. Importantly, when pooling all of this data by resist, we saw had an overall response in these patients of 27.9%, but three patients were noted to also have um, a significant response following initial progression when they continued on treatment. So including those patients, uh, we did see clinical benefit in up to in almost 35% of, of HPV-related cancers uh, treated with Benjafuspalfa. And so, so, go, so going on, of course, these uh, response durations have been, uh, have also remained remarkable, have also been maintained as impressive with durations extending from two to 25 months. Um, and you can see the proportion of, of responses that are ongoing. So fine. So here's the summary on the clinical piece. Uh, Benjafuspalfa used in two parallel dose escalation studies. Anticipated safety was observed and manageable. MTD is not reached. Um, our recommended phase two dose is listed. Uh, at this point, we have treated over 700 patients with our drug and have encouraging efficacy across um, at least three cohorts that I've presented today. So importantly, and you'll, you'll be hearing more about this throughout the conference, um, our team's been very excited to partner with, G with our um, global alliance with GSK um, to jointly develop and commercialize further to accelerate the development. And just in my last two, in the last two slides are some of where, where we're going together as partners for this next phase of development. One is in a phase two BTC registrational study um, looking in locally advanced or metastatic cancers in the second line setting, as well as a global study that is now on, ongoing, which I'm helming um, in advanced non-small non cell lung cancer first line, so treatment naive patients in the PDL1 high segment in which we're randomizing our drug versus pembrolizumab. There's much more development on, on the way. Um, we've just recently started enrolling uh, into a uh, into trials with which are randomized against dervalumab in patients with stage three lung cancer, as well as have more chemo combinations. In addition, based upon this, uh, the initial exciting data at the very bottom, we have a phase two study that's currently recruiting and enrolling at the N at the NCI by James and Julius uh, of looking at benjafuspalfa in multiple cohorts of patients with HPV-associated malignancies. And with that, I'd like to thank you for your time.
I hope you enjoyed that podcast from the 2019 IO Combinations 360 Conference. For more information, visit iocombinations360.com.